Hello there my friend and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat or go out for a nice walk in nature. Enjoy. In this episode that is focusing on Ayurveda, I wanted to link a little bit back to what I spoke in the last episode, which was on psychology and it was about self-love. And so I wanted to bring to your attention the idea of self-love, I guess, but I want to speak today even more on self-worth and worthiness and to give yourself value. And Why would I say that Ayurveda plays a role in increasing self-worth? Well, let me begin with explaining how negligence is a sign of the opposite to that. So basically, if you have bought a new car, you invested a lot of money in a car or a house or whatever you want, you felt the investment and you know it's worth because there's a price tag on it, which means that you will take extra care of it, right? And you will, um, if it's a car, you will, you know, bring it to the mechanics and all of that, like do the things that you have to do at the right times and make sure that you don't miss out on any of it, just so that you maintain the value of this car for as long as possible. And of course, it's exactly the same thing with yourself. Let's take it down to a little bit of a closer to home kind of, or closer to the subject, should I say, kind of thing. Imagine that you just found out that you are, uh, that you have a, a, an issue with your digestion and you need to be put on a specific plan from your doctor on eating specific things and taking these medications and whatnot, okay? So you have this schedule of what you need to do from day one to day 10, let's say, for instance, with a detailed, uh, a detailed program. And then it means as well that you probably need to invest some money into that. And so all of a sudden the value of it goes up for you because you see a price tag on it. And then you will stick to that kind of plan more or less, but quite um, precisely because you have been told that this is really important and you need to do it for your own health or it might be worse. And you've invested in this, you've committed to it, you've paid someone, and then you have to show them the results, right? And so you do this as well. When it comes to your own worthiness, when it comes to what your value is, 
it's much more complicated because, well, basically, there's no one else to show the results to, really, in a certain way, than to yourself. And there is no money investment, as far as you're concerned, while you're just living your life. So basically, what I mean by that is, when we are quite young, we're quite oblivious to what would be healthy for us and what would be needed. And so if we are not taught at that time certain fundamental aspects of health and of how we should be feeling and what we should be doing in order to maintain a state of health, then we will basically not care too much about it and we'll just do whatever we do. And as long as we are children, adolescents and even early adulthood, we won't even probably notice any difference in whether we do it or not, let's say. And of course, that is the typical of the 20-something living a lifestyle, which is, you know, completely turning um, your life upside down in all kinds of ways, partying, eating the wrong things, not eating at all or eating too much. But the thing is, when you're that young, you don't get the consequences of it. And so then you get a little bit older and you're starting to progressively notice changes. And you notice the consequences of a certain lifestyle in a different way. And that will begin to kind of speak to you, let's say, right? So it will speak to you in the sense that you realize that you are mortal. You realize that maybe you can't actually go out partying all night long and then expect that you'll be functioning properly the next day to go to work, for instance, or even just to do other things. And you'll start to have also different um, expectations on you that you might not have had when you were younger and even in your 20s of work or family or things like that. And you start to realize that you have to kind of juggle all of that in some way. And you might even begin to notice that, oh, I can't keep on certain things because let's say that you have a family all of a sudden, well, you won't be able to take care of your kids if you're hungover the next day. It's the same thing, of course, when it comes to your metabolism that might be quite strong in your 20s, still a little bit in your 30s, but then starting from like 35 and up towards 40, you're definitely beginning to notice a decrease in your metabolic rate. What I mean by that is you're starting to notice that you can't just eat as much as you want and eat any kind of junk food, for instance, without noticing results. And it's not just results of putting on weight, which could be one, but not always that. It could also just be results in acid reflux, for instance. You might start to notice that you're just not digesting the food very well and it's not feeling so good afterwards. Or you might begin to notice things like bloating, gas, and things like that, right? All of a sudden, become more aware that the lifestyle that you were having when you were oblivious to the consequences is not working for you anymore. And this is also why, of course, when we're somewhere in our 30s, usually that's when we begin to take a little bit more serious our potential mortal aspect, that actually we will maybe not be around forever, and that if we want to 
continue seemingly quite healthy, we might need to pay a little bit extra attention to certain things. And this is, of course, where it begins to become hard. Because for the last 20, 30, 35 years, we have not paid attention to this. And we have not implemented routines and different kinds of living and what we eat and things like that. So it becomes a challenge to change these things. And more so, one of the psychological aspects of this is that we have never been occupied with our internal world. We have even taken for granted that the way we think and the way we feel is not under our control and is affected by external situations. We think that we feel sad or angry or frustrated because of what someone else was doing. We believe that the thoughts in our head are the truth because, well, they seem so real. And we might also, which is very often what happens in from 30 and on, begin to question, who am I? Am I actually happy with the kind of life that I'm living? What brings me joy? What are my preferences? I've just been doing basically kind of what people told me to do, or maybe even further than that, I've just been going with the flow because I wasn't really sure of what I wanted to do. That I don't really know who I am. So we come into a period of our lives where we're kind of this hot mess and some of us decides to just keep going you know it's it's just 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 go just drive just continue driving and we'll get to Grand Canyon Thelma and Louise and we'll just go with it and then we'll die or like has become also a big trend, which is wonderful, of course, since the past, I want to say since the beginning of the 2000s, it was obviously uh, there before, but beginning of the 2000s, I feel, and the 2010, the health trend has increased. And so this is where a lot of people then start to look into, how can I become happier? How can I become healthier? How can I create a sustainable life and longevity? And then we are surprised that it's difficult to do and that we find it hard to maintain our motivated, enthusiastic ideas of what we need to do. But naturally, since we've never really practiced it before, it is unknown territory. It's not familiar. It's not common to us. And it feels uncomfortable because it's new. So that is one side of it, which then means how do I create something that will become so familiar to me that it's a habit, right? And on top of that, how can I convince myself that it's worth it? Because one of the most difficult things <laughs> when it comes to actual health and well-being is that 
the reward is not instant. And what we are used to with our habits that are addictions is that we wanted the instant reward for it, the instant satisfaction that we didn't actually get, but we believed that we were getting because we got so used to the habit of the addiction, whether it's things that we eat, drink, smoke, or simply things that we think, right? So how do I manage, and this is the real crux of the thing, how do I manage to change my life so that it will be better, but that I stick to these changes that are not yet familiar to me without giving up on them since I don't get the reward straight away and so it kind of feels worthless, um, pointless, I want to say instead, from time to time. Once the motivation is gone, I don't see the point of it anymore. And what it boils down to is that because I haven't cultivated the inner world, I have no idea of my own value. I haven't invested, if you will. So there's no money on the table that says, this is the price tag for me, for my internal world. This is the reason that we neglect ourselves. This is the reason that we don't take that time to make sure that we feel good. It's the reason that people think that taking care of oneself is selfish. How do I get around this? Well, there is actually only one way to come to the insight of your own value. And that is to discover that you have feelings and thoughts. It is to discover actually who you are. And that you can do on a daily basis. The only way that you know that something has a value for you is because you've invested in it. As we said, started out with that car, for instance, or something. And so the first thing you need to do, actually, is to invest in yourself. And I wouldn't say that it's the primary reason for the Dinacharya, the yogic rhythm, the routines of the um, Ayurvedic practice, but it's a side effect of it, if you will. You see, there's something very interesting that happens once you begin to implement a routine of some kind into your life and you, that you become committed to it so that you decide on doing it every day. And that is that you will begin to increase your self-worth naturally. Let me explain. The fact of getting up at a certain time in the morning and to set off the time you can, an hour of a certain number of practices, will make you feel good. I mean, that's just anyone who's ever had an extra hour in the morning where they can just do certain things for themselves know that that makes them feel good. And so if these things that we do, these specific practices, are also made specifically 
for the well-being, physical, mental, and emotional, naturally, not only will it make me feel good that I'm taking care of myself, but I will begin to see quite soon some results as well of that. And the more I do it, let's say I get up at that time every day, the more the evening that comes will have me remember that tomorrow morning I'm going to do that again. And then there will be this, so I want to be able to do that in the morning because I noticed that that made me feel good. Therefore, I will make sure to not mess up going to bed and mess up my sleep so that I can do that in the morning. All of a sudden, there's a shift in how we prioritize things. Because we kind of want to feel good. That's like the main thing in our life. We want to feel good. It's the survival instinct, actually. We move away from pain and we move towards pleasure. So there's already a certain reward value that's been created in that. And so, little by little, I will begin to value that moment in the morning when I have that I'm taking care of myself right now because it makes me feel good. And all of a sudden it will decrease the value of other things that I know will be detrimental to that routine in the morning. And it even becomes all of a sudden like a purpose. So all of a sudden I've got this thing, right? I've got a project just like the investment. I decide to buy a house, I invest, it's got a value in there, it's got a worth in there, and I might then create a plan of renovation, or you know, just putting it into the way I want it to be, just like that idea of the plan of action that the doctor gives me in order to work my way back to health if I've got a problem with my digestive system. It becomes a project, it becomes a mission for me, it becomes a little bit, that's my thing, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Hmm, what does that bring in? It brings a sense of purpose. So all of a sudden, I've got this time in the morning that I've noticed makes me feel good because I'm just paying attention to myself. And because it's a little bit my thing, my project, not only does it make me feel good about myself, but it gives me a sense of purpose. I've got this one thing in the day that I know for sure that I'm always going to do because I know that it makes me feel good. I've got already then the behavior and I've got the reward of it because I've noticed that it made me feel good and it's given me a sense of purpose. And this is how we then realize that as soon as we wake up in the morning, we want to feel good because that's what we've been doing as we have been doing our routine in the morning. That's the trigger. Trigger, behavior, and reward. There's a trigger. I get up in the morning. I do my behavior. And then I get the reward. And what's really nice with that is that it's the exact habit loop of a routine, of a habit, of an addiction, if you will. An addiction becomes an addiction because we do it despite adverse consequences. 
So naturally, when it's the other way around, you're still kind of addicted to it because you need that. It makes you feel good. Except that the consequences are not adverse, but instead beneficial to you. That's a good habit to have. That's what we would define a good habit. So, over time, what happens is that the more you do your routine and you get this addiction to feeling a certain way and to taking this time for you in the morning, the more you start to, for instance, say no to certain things that don't suit you. So, for instance, someone is asking you to do something that is against your values, against what you believe in. Because you've been so habituated now to that state there where you stay committed to that practice of yours, it will begin to spread into other activities in your life. So all of a sudden, you will notice the aversion inside of you that goes, "Mm -mm, I don't want to do that. That doesn't really make me feel good. And I'm going to state that you've set a boundary. Because actually, what is going on in your brain when you do your routine there in the morning is a whole lot of things. But one thing is that you're strengthening neuropathways of an emotional state, which is your feeling of feeling good and your feeling of purpose, that you then begin to take with you into the rest of your life. And then it even goes on to things like, maybe I'm realizing that people around me have different values to me. And so maybe I begin to choose who I actually want to keep in my life. And that does not necessarily mean that just because you're not thinking like I do, I don't want to keep you in my life. But I become more sensitive to noticing, okay, we don't share the same values. So this means that I will be aware of the differences between us, which can be a beneficial thing as well, because that can enrich in my experience, realizing that we don't have the same values. And how come you have those values? And then all of a sudden I learn something new. And maybe after that I choose to keep this person in my life, or maybe I don't. That's a next step after that. But this simple creation of a habit in the morning that makes me feel good and that becomes that one thing that I stay committed to so that it gives me a sense of purpose has been actually my financial investment in that car, in my life, in me. So that all of a sudden, without even realizing it myself, I have begun to acknowledge my price tag, my worthiness. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. 
take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.